Welcome back to Deconstructing American Conservatism. I'm your host, James Killen, and on this podcast, we'll be focusing on the federal minimum wage. Also, I'm going to take a week, maybe a break, just to update the podcast, create a method of sustainability that doesn't include ads like the one you didn't hear on this episode, and I'm going to update my equipment and studio to be able to handle guests in a more professional manner. I really, really appreciate all the support and encouragement from all of you. I know a lot of you are wondering, too, if I ever was actually a conservative or if I'm just pandering to an audience for views. First, if you've ever tried to do a 15 or 20 minute podcast that isn't a bunch of rambling nonsense full of uhs and ums, you know this has to be worthwhile emotionally, not financially. But I understand the skepticism. So instead of telling you what conservatives normally say as it pertains to the minimum wage, I'm going to play you a clip of me several years ago arguing that minimum wage equals minimum skills. Now, it's an eight-minute clip, so there's some missing context because we're, we're only going to listen to maybe a minute or so of it. I just want to give you the conservative perspective directly from my lips. I can go get 30 uh, studies, 30 economic studies that say raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour will have a, I don't know, utopic type of uh, impact on the United States. I can find 30 more that will say raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour would destroy the economy of the United States. And I can find 30 more that will tell you that there will be a net zero impact on the economy of the United States. Now let's go back to axioms or universal truths. You cannot pollute this planet indefinitely and suffer zero consequences from it. Not from a climate standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a finite resource standpoint, You cannot use everything on this planet indefinitely with zero consequences. We know that. The other has to do with economics. If you raise the price of something, the market will use less of it, which means when you take minimum wage from $7.25 an hour and universally across the board raise it to $15 an hour, there is absolutely no sane, rational person that is going to tell you that the market is not going to use less of whatever labor it was that just doubled in cost. And another unintended consequence that people don't recognize when it comes to the minimum wage thing is that minimum wage equals minimum skill. The only people who should be working for minimum wage are teenagers in high school, college students, entry-level workers who may be trying to move up in an organization like McDonald's or Wendy's or Yum! Brands or something along those lines, perfectly understandable, Um, and people who may be on Dave Ramsey's snowball plan who are trying to put a little bit of extra money in their pockets so that they can pay off debt or pay off bills. Those are the only people who should be working for minimum wage. You cannot raise a family on minimum wage. And if you've started a family, you know, for whatever reason, and you are trying to support it on minimum wage, you are insane. Okay, so that was me in 2015 when the $15 minimum wage debate was just getting going. 
It's striking that in the seven years since that video, one, I can't believe it's been seven years, but two, we still haven't managed to move the minimum wage enough to put even a dent in the gap between the cost of living and the stagnation of wages. Now, we're at a point in our society where folks are just deciding not to work because it isn't even worth it. Electric bills are through the roof, rents through the roof, property taxes are through the roof. Where's that guy who was running for president back in 2008? I really think it's time to join the rent is too damn high party. Now, was I wrong in that video? Who knows? Partly because what I said at the beginning with respect to economic studies, partly because economics as we know it is being turned on its head right now, it isn't necessarily wrong to say that minimum wage equals minimum skills because technically it does. It's the inhumane perspective that doesn't account for the fact that even though people shouldn't try to live on minimum wage, the unfortunate reality is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of folks are trying to live on minimum wage and condemning them to work for wages that don't even cover the basic cost of living is tantamount to indentured servitude. We have folks agreeing to work literally so they can be fed. Not so they can pay back some loan or some debt, but for the right to be able to eat. Now that's messed up. I don't care what economist you ascribe to or how much of an individual you think you are. It goes back to our love affair with the extreme side of capitalism, the Milton Friedman profits at all cost side of capitalism. By the way, if you're not familiar with Milton Friedman, I found a podcast this week that is absolute gold and their favorite punching bag is Milton Friedman. If you haven't listened to UNFTR or as the acronym states, unfucking the Republic, It is by far my new favorite podcast. If you're a conservative listening to me deconstruct American conservatism, I highly recommend UNFTR. You might recoil at some of the information, but the content is thorough and it's entertaining. Start from episode one, work your way up to the present. You'll find yourself quickly decrying, fuck Milton Friedman. I don't usually swear on my podcast, so it felt kind of weird to do that. So if that turns you off, you may not want to listen to UNFTR. You may want to steer clear because it's in the name. But anyway, back to the minimum wage. There is no doubt, aside from a handful of outliers, that every American company operates with the agenda of minimize expenses, maximize profits. From your elementary school, fictional hot dog or lemonade stand all the way through to your business plan, econ final, or even your own business plan, there exists no section titled corporate social responsibility. Just the phrase corporate social responsibility is enough to bristle any fiscal conservative. And you'd better have a rock solid growth strategy if you're planning on mentioning becoming a B Corps or pitching your company's commitment to social responsibility to investors. Let's look at Amazon real quick. We'll look at Amazon as kind of a mini case study here. And again, these are just ballpark figures, ballpark numbers. I'm not trying to do a deep dive like I said before. That isn't the purpose of this podcast. The purpose is to illustrate where conservatives focus their perspective and attempt to persuade them to look at issues 
from a different perspective. So Amazon in 2021, Amazon's profit was around 20 billion. They managed to completely avoid 2.3 billion in taxes or federal taxes anyway, but we'll save that for another episode. To Amazon's credit, they pay, I think, $18 an hour today minimum, which puts them in the model employer category as it pertains to employee pay. But that $20 billion in profit, the sole purpose is to inflate the war chest for Amazon, pay dividends to shareholders, and boost the stock price. All that to say the sole purpose of that $20 billion is to make investors and top executives richer. Amazon has 1 million employees. If every single one of them could be paid $6 more an hour, $6 more an hour takes an $18 per hour employee from the poverty line to the starting point of the middle class. Now, like I said, I'm not calling on Amazon to start paying their employees $24 an hour. I'm simply demonstrating that instead of taking care of employees, companies are prioritizing the already wealthy over the low-wage worker. That's exactly how folks like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk have become hundred billionaires. It's because we're directing corporate profits, not to the folks that make it happen, but to the folks who have enough wealth to gamble with in the stock market. And again, I'm not hating on folks who've made it. I look forward to saying one day that I made it. That uniquely American idea that one day I can become wealthy too, I believe that. And I, I know most Americans believe that. But I'll tell you, I don't want to be wealthy if it means a family has to go bankrupt because of chemo treatments. I don't want to be wealthy if it means that a kid gets turned down for lunch because his family doesn't have enough money to put in his school lunch account. I don't want to be wealthy if it means a grandmother has to choose between her insulin and her blood pressure medicine because she can't afford both. I don't want to be wealthy if it means some guy is digging in a garbage can for dinner because he made a bad or a series of bad decisions that landed him in a tough spot. I don't want to be wealthy in a country that devalues human life for the sole purpose of adding another sports car to the garage or buying a bigger yacht than your buddy just because you can. What conservatives miss when it comes to the minimum wage debate is there's a human being on the other side of that wage. I'm not saying we should just give people money, but the market is not in equilibrium right now. It is being artificially kept out of equilibrium because companies have been able to get away with not paying their employees fairly. The government included. Teacher salaries are a prime example of a career field whose wages have not kept up with the responsibilities of the job. Raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour puts pressure on the market to raise the wages of the underpaid also. I used to be a keep government out of the market kind of person too, but the fact of the matter is Adam Smith could not have foreseen what the market would become. If Adam Smith saw the wealth of Elon Musk right now, he'd be clamoring for intervention as well. We don't have a free market of any sorts anymore. A look at the major cable and internet service providers, airlines, tech companies, automobile manufacturers, I mean, that should be enough evidence to convince you that we don't have an actual free market anymore. Holding on to this idea that America has a free market and its government is 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 the one messing things up is just wrong. Like I said, I, I used to think the same way. I get that. But try opening a grocery store today. Try opening a drugstore or a fitness center or... And, 
I don't recommend you do this, but try starting a cable provider or an internet service provider company. Try starting an airline. Hell, try to launch an app that has a great idea or great tech behind it. I bet you Facebook sneaks in behind you and steals it. Ask TikTok or Snapchat, let alone the countless you've probably never heard of. The United States is on the verge of becoming a rentier state by way of robotics and automation. Those companies like Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft, Apple, Meta, and a handful of others are going to continue to grow and absorb smaller companies. They're going to employ more people, and eventually they're going to strangle the innovation market. Now, we need to start accepting that reality, and, and not in a workers of the world unite kind of way, but in a practical survival kind of way. This isn't 1950. The world doesn't operate the way you think it does or the way you were raised to think it does. I know what you're about to say, though, and you're about to say, James, what about the mom and pops who can't afford to pay $15 an hour to their employees? Now, I understand completely that there are businesses out there who can't make that leap from $7.25 to $15 an hour. That's a big jump for them, and a lot of them are probably just getting started, too. They're not trying to exploit their employees just so they you know, can, can make that extra money themselves. They legitimately can't afford $15 an hour right now. If I were proposing a bill to increase the federal minimum wage, I would include a provision that stated every publicly traded company has to immediately raise the wages of their employees to a minimum of $15 an hour upon signing the bill into law. Every privately owned company with more than 100 employees as of their last tax filing must do the same. Privately owned companies who as of their last tax filing had fewer than 100 employees must immediately raise the wages of their employees to at minimum $10 an hour and increase $1 an hour every year until they reach the federal minimum wage. I would also index the federal minimum wage to inflation so that the country never again finds itself at the bottom of the list of industrialized countries when it comes to employee wages. There is no reason folks in the United States should be working for pennies while corporate executives, our oligarchs or plutocrats, whichever one you want to call them, wipe their respective hind parts with $100 bills. They say money doesn't buy happiness. You can stack as much money in your bank and 10 others as much money as you want, and you're never going to buy happiness or contentment for that matter. But I'll tell you, money does buy something, and that's peace of mind. Now, there's an old saying that when there's food on the table, you have a million problems, but when there's no food on the table, you only have one problem. Now, let's live in America where folks have a million problems because we've done what we need to do to make sure they aren't plagued by just one. That's all I got for you today. I hope you'll take a look at UNFTR. Max does an amazing job breaking down the issues. I had some trouble with this Cuba episode, but I definitely think we need to stop punishing the Cuban people for their choice in leadership. It is a really great podcast. It is something that will get you thinking. Make sure you go over and check it out. I'll see you all in two weeks with an updated Deconstructing American Conservatism. Thank you all again so much for your support and encouragement. Have a great week.